Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. All right, the Winning Plays Podcast is back yet again as we shift the series back to Brooklyn for the Celtics Nets first round showdown. My name is Brian Robb. We're bringing in our friend Ryan Bernardoni of at Danger Card Fame on Twitter. And Ryan, I don't know if this is an emergency podcast, but it's somewhat close to that. We're doing this on a Friday night. Robert Williams uh, reportedly is expected to play game three of the Eastern Conference first round. Uh, he is beating Ben Simmons back to the court. He is coming back from surgery after three and a half weeks. And suddenly the Celtics are the second best favorites in the NBA now uh, to win the NBA championship here. I'm going to throw a lot of all that stuff at you. You can react to what you want to do here. I'm, I'm, I just, I'm just throwing it all, throwing it all in your face. Yeah, I've, um, I guess this is the benefit of the fact that the team hasn't played any games in the past like three <laughs> weeks since he, since he had surgery. They just... It turns out that not many games go by when you play, you know, twice a week. Uh, obviously, he's, you know, it looks like he'll be back uh, probably on a minutes limit of some kind. Uh, I'm sure they'll say it's a game time decision and go through warmups and, and all that. So um, it's not a guarantee yet, but it's looking like he'll be back, of, you know, of, of almost a full week ahead of schedule, um, which is a little bit terrifying um, in terms of how you want. Question. Is this a mistake? Is this a mistake? <laughs> I'm not a doctor, right? Like if, if the doctors say he's fine and, and you heard right from the start, like, you know, the day after the surgery, they're like that it wasn't as bad as we expected. It went really well. We think it could be a, a really short, you know, turnaround, all that. So I, I don't know, but it still is terrifying of like, Oh, three weeks after surgery playing a playoff game, huh? Um, and the fact that they're up to nothing. When we talked before the series started about how the sort of ideal would be that they didn't have to play at all. They had no reason to bring him back. Even if he was ready to come back, they wouldn't bring him back. So, uh, but obviously that's, that's not what the situation looks like, which is um, hopefully a, a really good sign and something that we never have to worry about ever again. Uh, and I would like for them to wrap up the series quickly. It looks like some of the other Eastern Conference series may, may go quickly as well. And so you don't want to be playing six or seven games, a difficult series, not just because you don't want the risk of losing, but because you don't want to be playing in all these games while all their teams are resting. So it, I mean, they're up to nothing. Everything looks pretty positive. Uh, Rob's coming back, and that's great. And he's hopefully, you know, gets back to 100% quickly and gets managed back into it well. And we, we roll on from there because um, there's other teams that are not in, you know, they're seeing their health deteriorate a little bit while the Celtics seem to just be 
you know, getting getting back to full health right here when we want them to. Yeah, what what world are we in where this is happening right now? The Bizarro, Bizarro NBA postseason based on the Celtics past decade Pretty of injury luck here in the, in the playoffs. Um, yeah, so Rob Williams, like you said, probably be back on the minutes limit. I guess like, you know, if you're bringing him back in a series, this is probably as low pressure a situation you could do in, which is, which is, I think a sneaky plus here. If he's good to go, you know, you, you know, he's going to play, obviously you're going to try not if you're down 0-2 or even a 1-1 situation, but you do have at least some margin error. Not that they don't want to take care of business here quickly, but it's a situation where there probably wasn't any added pressure on any side involved here to get him on the floor. It makes you, I guess, feel even more confident that like, you know, he's here at all his benchmarks and he's ready to give them what, 10, 15 minutes. I mean, what do you start him? If you're Emi Odoka, do you, even with that missile, do you, do you go with the, the Steph Curry ramp up off the bench plan that has gone swimmingly for the golden state warriors? What um, I, I could see a case for either direction on that front. Um, I'll be curious to see how they kind of play that out. Assuming that he's back. I, I think it's probably best to start him for a couple of reasons. One, it's just like, that's the group that he's most familiar with. And we know that things have gone, gone well with that group and the team, it, you know, hasn't been getting off to red hot starts. So it's not like you're like breaking anything. Um, so that's one reason I think it's just sort of get him out there and with the, the guys that he's used to playing with the most and, um, and have that all work out. Also, the, the net starting lineup has like the most natural place to put him uh, with the way that they've been using him in the second half of the season. It's just like you go and guard Bruce Brown, who's going to be in the corner and like, you know, obviously got off to a very hot start last game, but he's kind of the ideal player for the way that they've been using Rob, a, a, a good but reluctant shooter uh, who kind of camps out in the corner and, you know, maybe crashes the, the glass a little bit and some cutting and movement. Uh, but that's kind of his, his role on that team. And he's not super threatening. Um, he, he comes out and sets a decent number of screens that sort of weaponizes some of the other stuff that Rob does. So if you're looking at like a playoff level player who he would sort of be naturally in defending, um, I think that that's a decent, you know, a decent place to start where you just say like, yep, you're going to rejoin the starters, play with the, the four guys who you've dominated the league with. Um, and just, yeah, those those minutes will then have to be short. So that's the only issue is it's like, where do you actually fit in? Let's say he's got 15 minutes, like five minutes to start, five minutes in the third quarter and five minutes somewhere in the fourth quarter. Like there's a lot of sort of downtime in there. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. There, there's no like ideal way to play somebody who you wish that could you could play 35 minutes for 15 minutes. You just kind of have to, you're not going to play him like two minutes here, two minutes there, two minutes. That doesn't, nobody gets any rhythm, right? So you got to kind of just pick where you want to go. And I, it just seems like, yeah start him because that's the the simplest thing to do but one i mean it's really hard to question anything that Joka does right now so <laughs> if he wants to play him for the last 15 minutes of the game as one full block what who am i to question yeah, that you know <laughs> yeah i'm sure it'll work yeah i mean it's a good point in terms of um and we'll we'll, we'll i think we'll, we'll touch on that just more serious stuff in a uh a little bit later uh in this but i, I agree like you you, you start him there for, like you said, the matchup purposes, um, the continuity purposes. And I assume, again, you can, you know, like you said, you, you, you're not going to probably play him in crunch time, certainly not out of the gate um, when he's coming back, barring, you know, him looking unbelievable in those first 10 to 15 minutes that he does get. Um, and that's fine because you, you know, you've, you've seen some um, alternative options 
do well uh, in those opening two games of the series in those closing time lineups. Um, has Tice played well enough in your mind to, to you obviously don't need to necessarily play him now uh, with Rob back, even at limited minutes, because you have very viable alternatives there, particularly with Grant Williams playing so well in game two. But I don't know. I still, I still throw Tice out there to see what you get out of him um, for at least 10 minutes in a game because as for as big of a stinker game one was, I thought, you know, he, he was one of the kind of hidden gems in game two in a front court that kept the Celtics alive after, you know, during the uh, absolute duds from Tatum and, and Brown for much of the first three quarters. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to excise him from the rotation entirely. I don't think um, I, I think that there are things that the nets could do to target him that, that might lead to that but they haven't shown any real inclination to do that uh, to this point, they did a, you know, in, in the Kyrie stretch in the fourth, you know, end of the third, beginning of the fourth quarter in, in game one, they did a little bit, but they haven't really worked too hard to, to pick him out and, and target him. So, I mean, I think he's, he's held up. Okay. Um, it's the minutes that go to Rob probably come out of primarily of his minutes. Oh yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying that he's going to go from playing, 25 minutes to playing 10 minutes and that Rob all 15 will come out of, out of those minutes. But like, that's primarily where you, where you would expect them to come out of. And again, as we talked about before the series, like that's fine, right? That's the nature of backup bigs in the playoffs in some cases, starting bigs as, as we're seeing with even like Steven Adams, right? Like there's just some matchups that aren't are better or worse for particularly point guards and centers. And this one hasn't been bad um, because again, the nets sort of don't really seem to, do anything um, that that causes anybody any sorts of problems. So uh, he'll still be be in there to some extent. But I, we know like, this is not like some surprise. The ideal Celtics have Robert Williams playing thirty minutes a game, and then there's really not any minutes left for Tice. And if they're playing a, a pretty strict eight man rotation, like like they have to this point, uh, and so I would like to get there, but it doesn't have to be this series where they get there if they get there in, in the next series and are able to, to bring Rob back on a reasonable schedule, ramping up minutes, then that's, that's perfect. And I think that's what everybody would be happy with. We would have thought there would have been a game in this postseason where Daniel Tice plays 31 minutes and Derek White only plays 13 minutes. Um, and Payne Pritchard played. And Payne Pritchard played 16 minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, yeah, it's Tice at, with, You'll see Tice as needed with Rob on a minutes limit. I assume for the rest of this series, he's like you said, though, the fouling, if he, he gives you a dud, you can obviously bury Tice quickly if you need to. Um, but from a, just, I mean, he has clearly liked to go big a lot in this series um, from for a variety of reasons. And it's, it, you know, there've been some, some ugly basketball at times from this team, but, by and large, the, the the bigs have held up well um, against the Nets um, for the better part of the 96 minutes here. And, you know, Horford's been fantastic the whole time. Dice, Tice had a good game, too. Grant had a good game, too. Going on the road with role players, I see, is a, a very different situation. But it'll be now that Emi Odoka will have the option to kind of stick, stick with double bigs more if he wants uh, for even more of the game it'll be interesting to see how that kind of shakes out um, as things shift back to Brooklyn. And, you know, we, we as we eventually maybe see Ben Simmons in 
in a game four, which may or may not be, you know, a big game at that point. Yeah. I mean, coaches, teams in general, like never change in the playoffs when they're winning. You could have a conversation about like, should Grant be starting over Tice? Just like we expected there to be a conversation about that at some point, because they have scored just so much better when, when Grant's been on the floor, which helps when he's making all of his threes, right? If he misses all those threes, then it it looks very different. And you're talking very small sample sizes here. So you don't want to overreact to those things. And again, because they're winning, they're not going to make any changes. So not going to make any changes if Rob weren't coming back. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's good to have more options. Um, and it's not just in this series, but, but going forward to have those options. And the fact that they've won two games gives them, you know, as we said at the beginning, like a little bit of flexibility in here to, to try some different things. But again, like in the ideal world, right. It's the starting five that we saw when they dominated for most of the season and Grant and Derek white as your primary guys coming off the bench and then Tyson Pritchard for specific matchups or because you're struggling with something and you want to have a, you know, we're getting killed on the glass or we need somebody who can stretch the floor a little bit more from, you know, above the break, that kind of stuff of like, you have, have that little bit of a play in there. Um, but that's where you're trying to get back to. And it looks like they might be, you know, maybe not in the first game, but two or three games away from that. And at that point, we know that like they then would rightly be the, the second favorite and, and maybe even better than that, depending on what's up with Booker. Uh, or, and I guess what's up with the Warriors. <laughs> maybe that's, they'll end up jumping on, but uh, that's as good a spot as, as you could hope. Um, and with, yeah, like you said, Ben Simmons, whatever, what was it called? His looming possibility of return is looming. <laughs> Has there ever been a hyped up know. return? Like the well, amount of like useless updates, but it's like everybody on the record is like, I don't know. He's pretty far away still. He hasn't really practiced yet. We're hoping he can get there. We'll see how it goes. And then all the leaks are like, he's ready to go. And then like, they ask him directly and he's like, I'm working hard to get there. And, and Nash is like, I, yeah, no, I haven't, we haven't practiced with him yet, but uh, I'm sure he'll be back. I don't know. I mean, they went the whole year without Kyrie practicing and every chance they could to get him on the floor, obviously they did right away. It's sort of just the way that they play. It's like, I guess the positive and the negative of the way they play is like, you can throw anybody out there because they don't have to learn a system because there ain't a system. They just dribble around and like do stuff. And on defense, I guess you switch, just switch everything. But um, when, when it's that simple and you don't have to like, I'm at the, if you tried to like, I don't know what's worse, putting Ben Simmons in, having to face the, the Celtics offense and defense, which is complicated, or having to join the Celtics in that situation. I don't know which would be harder. I, I guess it would be harder to join the Celtics, and, and it, it is easier just to get thrown into a team that's basically just playing like pickup basketball anyway. But it is a weird thing. It's just a weird player coming back in a weird circumstance and I mean, I hope obviously they're down three, nothing at that point. And it's just like kind of a footnote, but if it's two, one, if they come out and play really well in, in game, in game three, is it like, do you then like push him back? Cause you're like, we don't want to upset something. We covered something, whatever it yeah. could be. I don't really know. I don't know how that plays out, but it just is so weird that it's like you, it almost two days from now where there's gonna be like, Oh, he had a setback. What was the setback? there was a setback <laughs> then that's one on that. it's just like yeah i don't know uh, so it's just an odd situation there's still the sort of thought in the back of everybody's mind i think is this all a smoke screen is this just like putting something out there for the sake of like mucking it up and making the celtics think about it? i don't really know um they're pretty definitive now these reports from woge and champs that it's like game four uh so i guess that's what it's gonna be but it just that's so bizarre yeah it's what a I mean, game five in Boston with him 
playing, assuming that that's there, like that between him and the Kyrie um, Venom, like it's, that will be a crowd for the ages. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, just the whole situation. I mean, just, just an unbelievable subplot to, for a guy who has not played basketball in a full year to return in game four of a series where they're, like you said, they're on a team that just is, does not have any kind of system on either end of the floor, um, but still has two of the best scorers in the league. So a couple hot and, nights. And one of them, by the way, plays the same position as him. In yeah. Theory. Yeah. Like, I know not on, it's sort of like, he sort of plays the same position that Durant has been playing on defense and on offense. Obviously he and Kyrie are both, sort of non-point guard point guards it's, it's just odd and it's also strange that because there's a lot of people who the, you get the same thing from their bench right it's like oh he'll replace bruce brown on defense but it's like okay well you're also playing three backup point guards and on offense it's easy to say that he's going to go out there and like set screens and roll hard and he's going to do this and that and he's going to be like some he'll be replacing more like nick claxton or bruce brown but when in his career his has he shown any indication that that's how he is going to play none like right none everybody was saying that in philly too they were like oh if he would just work these bench units if he would you know set the screen and roll and play in the short roll and do all this and that and it's like no he's been very clear that like i'm a point guard i am going to play point guard and maybe that's changed maybe the last the last year of introspection and difficulty and all that has has opened up his eyes to that and it's all changed but they're not like that's far from guaranteed it would be at this point i think far more likely that he's out there and they're almost like running into each other because there's one ball and four point guards out there every you know for every minute that he's on the floor yeah just how nash decides to deploy him is going to be fascinating and like you said who i'm going down like i'm just looking at the box scores from game one and game two here and being like okay where where are his minutes coming from and it's like all right is he just is he literally taking patty mills minutes like you said, so does not, but then if he does that, then it's like, okay, then what is he playing out there together with Bruce Brown or Andre Drummond for longer stints? Like, how is that going to work? Or, or Claxton or, yeah, or like, yeah. Is that, yeah, like, is that, is that feasible? Like that doesn't feel very, that doesn't feel like a great idea against his defense. And so you, there, there is no, I mean, it, it could look different. He could, you know, like everyone, you catch lightning in the bottle and, he's in, and he, you know, has it going or you know, get gets after the Celtics in transition and punishes them there. Like obviously he's capable of of something, but you factor that in with his postseason track record and you're just like, this this could be like a huge mistake. I don't know. Well there's also like the natural one that everybody says is right that he'll take Bruce Brown's minutes. But Bruce Bruce Brown's ran pretty well. (laughs) He's got like an eight hundred true shooting percentage and he's got the best net rating on the team. Like it's that's not to say that he's been the best player on the team, but like the team has played well with him out there and you can say, well, that'll supercharge even more, but there's like a limit to how well you can, you can't take his three pointer, his corner threes away and be like, Mm -hmm. Oh, well, Ben Simmons is going to make those because we know that's not going to happen. Or I don't think that's going to happen. So it's like, it just doesn't, you end up taking shooting off the floor for Ben Simmons. And as we have seen throughout his playoff career, you can't take shooting off the floor for and put Ben Simmons in because it just, strangles everything else particularly when it's like when you don't know what the roles are going to be i do get that on defense it does make things easier for them it's one better one more defender and again if you're just going to sort of say like we switch everything and that's what we're going to do you can put he and claxton and bruce brown and Kyrie and kd out there and just be like ah Kyrie and kd don't need literally any spacing we're just going to have them 
pull up, dribble down the floor and pull up from 30 feet every single possession and they'll make enough of them. Like, I don't know. And then you switch everything on the other end. And like, it's one of those things where if the Celtics are, the fact that the Celtics are winning means like, I don't want him to play. Not because I'm like afraid of it or think that he's going to do anything. It's just like, even if there's a 3% chance that it works, it's like, well, I would rather not have to deal with that. Yeah. It's just sort of like, what do you do when you're down 10 with a minute to go start shooting crazy threes because who cares? Right. It's what else can you do? Um, and it's the right strategy. I, and so I don't, but it just seems so unlikely that he'll be able to, to just like fit, let alone be out there and perform at a high level and with everything else that comes with it. But I don't know. It's, who maybe he's been maybe they've been holding him in reserve all this time and he's been ready for two months and they've been secretly practicing and they're going to unleash him on the world but uh frankly it to me like the celtics are the team getting back the clearly better and more well ingrained like more well integrated player in in rob williams like that should be the real story uh it's just that ben simmons is ben simmons and yes yeah um all right let's wrap things up with just general Serious observations slash things you're looking for as things go back to Brooklyn this weekend and into Monday in three and four. Um, we did hit on, you mentioned it kind of at the top there. I mean, Ime Odoka uh, was a, obviously a question mark going into the postseason because he's just a rookie head coach and you never know how, how people are going to react to the situation. And I, you know, I wrote about it massively. I mean, him, his, touch in the fourth quarter just going with that all spacing lineup of with Pritchard and Grant Williams with Horford uh Brown and Tatum a group that had played six minutes together all season long um that literally won the game for the Celtics um the I think you credit Udoga I think a ton for that for just having again the 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 guts to to say hey you know smart's been great but he his jump shot isn't going right now Peyton hit that first jumper and he was like, he looking good. Derek White obviously has kind of been a mess offensively all series long. Um, just for him to make a move, a chess move like that in a game, obviously that was crucial. And honestly, everything else he's done in the series, there's, there's really not anything you can quibble with there. And just that being a huge edge for the Celtics, it seems like against Nash, um, you know, I think could, could have conceivably turned the tide of the series here. Uh, yeah, I think that that last that last run in in the fourth quarter of game two was very impressive. I had actually said, I think, coming out of the there was a timeout around like five minutes. Pritchard had been playing a while; he was playing well, and I I had said something on Twitter that was like there were a couple of games later in the season where I thought he stuck with with Pritchard a little bit too late after he had had a really nice performance in the fourth quarter. Um, and so you were sort of like, okay, what's going to happen here? You see him coming out after the timeout. Okay, is, you know, is is this going to happen again? And like they had. I think they scored on the first possession maybe, but then they had two possessions where they just didn't really anything happen on offense. And it was like, boom, done, take them out. Yep. But then put him back in right at the end when it was like, now we need ball handling and shooting. We're doing offense, defense, things like that. And then he gets those two hoops right at the end. It's like perfectly managed in terms of how to use his personnel there. But also in game one, like what got them across the line in game one is the like the structural stuff of the team, right? Mm-hmm. It's, this is how we defend. These are our offensive principles. And I completely admit that there are times during the season when I sort of like, you know, laugh at that stuff. I'm like, ah, whatever, you know, um, except when it breaks down. And then I'm like fuming about it. Cause what I'm a fan and I like freak out about everything, but 
that's what got them across the line in the first. So you're seeing sort of these bigger picture, like managing your season and ingraining these principles. And then also like the minute to minute in-game management stuff. I think he's been been good in both of those. And it's it's two games and the Nets are not the most difficult team that don't, you know, they don't throw up a ton of challenges. We'll see what happens in the next round when you get into teams that are more sort of teamish than individualists. So we'll see what happens from there. But that's been really good. The thing that's the couple things that stand out to me. One is that the Celtics are a better team. They have been the better team. This, I think that the games have been closer than the actual performances. And like, you're going to get that with the Nets because they have a whole bunch of guys who can make shots. And it's like, but the shots they've been getting are not, a, not as good as the Celtics. Um, the effort, certainly the Celtics, I, I think have played better defense and just, you know, they, they played bad offense for a little bit that, that I think messed yeah. up their defense, but like they, they, to me, I watch and I go, Oh yeah, they're the better team. And if they played, a 70 game series, I think they would win it, but you know, you can still lose a seven game series as the better team. It's not a gigantic gap here. And mostly because of that, that shooting. So that's the number one thing. The other thing that stands out for me is, and I guess maybe this is the other place that you go with like Ben Simmons and why they would want to get Ben Simmons back is that the, the Nets two best defenders. I, I, you know, Durant in a way is their best defender, although he's has so much of a, of a load that he has to carry here that I think you would say like Bruce Brown and Nick Claxton are the two people that, any Nets fan would look at me like, those are the guys we put on your guys. Mm-hmm. And the Celtics don't target them because why would you target them when you have all these other guys on the, on the court? But it's very clear that, that particularly Jalen and Jason, like are not afraid of them. Like they do not avoid them in any way. There is nobody on the Nets defense who the Celtics primary offensive creators are even trying to get away from. Like we've seen, and Tatum has done this in a lot of games against Claxton before where it's like, he gets on him and he's like, I'm going to square you up as a three point line and shoot over you. And like, I know you're long, but like, you're not Rob Williams. You're not going to block this shot. Um, and I know you're going to sag off me because you're afraid of the drive. And then we saw Jalen just bold Bruce Brown over on that, that second to last hoop in game one for the same way. It's like, they're not afraid of anybody on that defense. They're not trying to avoid anything. And meanwhile, the Celtics, as we know, just have like, they're picking on Derek white. They're picking on a guy who in, was like reasonable to put on like second team all defense because that's their best option. And now they're getting Rob Williams back. And it's just really, really hard for me to see how the Celtics defense doesn't just carry them over the line here, especially with, you know, with starting with the two game, two game. So that's what stood out to me is that like the nets are what we thought largely. And this matchup is what we thought. And it's probably been a little bit closer than the reality of what the teams are right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, the nets, they pray in their head think they, I mean, they should be a two. I, I, they, the collapse in game two says otherwise, but um, there's no question that the way Kyrie played in game one and just the, the play of the supporting cat, I mean, a guy like Drogic, I mean, I was kind of worried about him going to this series, but I wasn't even expecting his, this level of, of playmaking and shot making from him. Uh, 18 points in 20 minutes in game two after a really solid game one. And uh, to be honest, I'm kind of, you know, it's, it's the teams, it's only that's roster slash lineup flaw that, that Nash can go back to him earlier. Cause you know, they just don't have the, the bodies to match up with the Celtics defensively. Uh, but I thought Nash leaving him out for so long in, in the second half and literally, you know, only giving him a few minutes there was a, a pivotal mistake. Um, just based on how good he was and how much he was, you know, kind of wreaking havoc on a, a Celtics defense in the first half when, you know, Durant and, and Kyrie were, were relative no-shows. Yeah. I, when they picked him up off, uh, you know, when they picked him up, I think I had said something like, 
I think he's washed, but also I know he's going to make every single shot in the playoffs against us. Yeah. <laughs> he's, just, he's just that guy, right? There's some guys who can be 40 years old and like they're going to still make shots in the playoffs. Kyle Lowry, I don't care how old Kyle Lowry gets. If it's a fourth quarter, if he's taking a three against you in the fourth quarter, I assume it's going in. Uh, and so he can bring that. But obviously there are plenty of other things that he doesn't bring. And that that's what's the problem with basically their entire roster is that they have a whole bunch of one-way players. Um, and the Celtics have a whole bunch of two-way players. And I, again, like, I think in the end, if you look at all the sort of like luck adjusted stuff, shot quality stuff, who's taking the shots and where are they oh, coming yeah. from and how close are they defending? The Celtics have been the better team. They've been the better team by probably, you know, a decent margin. These aren't blowout games by any means. They're, they're not like they're winning by 30, like they were in the regular season, but like, these are still decent margin games that have been close because it's one game or there are now two games and that, that can happen. But I just still think that like, like I look at these teams and one team is a collection of players and the other team is a team. And I don't think it's a coincidence that at the end of the games that in these big moments, like the team that knows how to play together is getting through. Um, and I just hope that happens the next two times in Brooklyn and we can just wrap this series up and move on. Cause the, the nets are still scary. They're always going to be scary because they have Kevin Durant. Um, but the opportunity is here now to get through this quick and get on to Milwaukee without nemesis Chris Middleton for at least a couple of games and then and, and go from there and see what happens it's it's right there for them and now the the long the long three game three day breaks in between series are, are gone we're going to be we're honestly probably going to see an every other day schedule for the rest of the postseason or close to it unless this thing's wraps up early in in four or five but it's uh it's all right there for the Celtics right now you got Middleton going down you got MB apparently playing through torn thumb ligaments or something like that. Devin Booker, obviously in Phoenix um, being out for the next several weeks. We'll see how far Phoenix can make it in the next couple of rounds without him. And the Celtics are getting fully healthy for the first time in the postseason since, I don't know, like 2008. Yeah. Is that, was that, I was going to say that. Cause that really, yeah, yeah. No, it's the it. first time since 2008, and the first time before that was like 1986. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they just are never. They, yeah, so it's nice. It's a nice change, and and hopefully they like like we said at the top. Hopefully Rob comes back and looks great and is able to ramp up through a reasonable, um, you know, sort of traditional minutes limit schedule to where he's fully back and available in a second round series, and that the Celtics are in a second round series, and and we can see the team that uh, we saw in that dominant part of the regular season and see what they can do in a playoff setting. Uh, I'll give you final words since you were in um, Marcus smart defensive player of the year um, thoughts, feelings, uh, and uh, message to all the random people that had a big issue with it. Yeah. I mean, we don't know how to measure defense. So anybody who's like, Oh, this stat shows that it's this or that they're just, there is my, my position are, two, are, are twofold on this. One is that Marcus Smart is a Celtics, and so I'm going to support him for those awards because he obviously cares about it, just like I want Jason Tatum to be first team. I don't care that it's – yeah, I'm not unbiased on this. That's completely admitting it. But the reality is, like, let me put it put it to people this way. It's like a team with five Gobert's or five Giannis's or five Marcus Smart's would not be as good of a defensive team as a team of, like – Alex Caruso and Drew Holiday and Mikhail Bridges and Evan Mobley and Bam Adebayo, right? Like all of the positions on the floor do still matter 
to some extent in terms of what your defense is. And so the idea that like, oh, you just put Rudy Gobert out there and you can put anybody around him is wrong. And we have seen that in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, we're seeing that right now. <laughs> we saw that last night in the playoffs. We've seen that many times before in the playoffs. And there are some of those players who would give you a better defense than others. Five Giannis's would be incredible. Five Bam Adebayo's would probably be great. Like, I, I'm not denying that. But like the best form of defense is a cohesive team of different players who can do who can do almost everything, but also who specialize in certain things. And so to just be like, well, this type of player can never win it or should never win it because our stats that we don't really know how to come up with or evaluate properly say that they shouldn't is a little like, okay, it's a little reductive to me. We all watch Smart play and have been watching him play for years. He is clearly an elite defender. And so I am happy that he won the award. And I am have no regrets about saying that I want him to win the award or would vote for him or for years have been... Um, saying that, you know, I thought he should be involved because he's cool and I like him and he plays for my team. And so congratulations, Marcus Smart, who factually from now on forever is defensive player of the year and no one can take it away from him no matter what they want to say. There you have it. It's it's honestly, it's it's out like no one this year was going to have a, a clear-cut case for that award. And so it was kind of just outrageous to me that anyone was like outraged about who got it. Um, but that's, that is what it is. And I think you broke it down nicely there. So, um, that's it for us, Ryan, as always, thanks for jumping aboard for the mini emergency Rob, Rob is back edition and rate review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Um, on iTunes, Spotify, etc. Um, and we'll be back with you guys with hopefully some game three reaction, um, next week to see see how rob looks and see if this series is coming to a close or might begin just ramped up